Hey everyone, Justin here. Just wanted to remind you all that there are new episodes of the podcast that come out every Tuesday morning, and they come out bright and early to greet you for your morning commute or for your first cup of coffee. Today, we continue from last week's conversation with Jim Maxim as Tim Deering dives further down the rabbit hole of prayer. And for those of you that are pastors, I want you to especially to listen up because this episode was one of the more convicting and encouraging episodes over the past five seasons of recording. Jim makes some pretty strong observations about prayer and pastors and even our worship gatherings, but you can also sense behind the force of his words that there is love there too. So as a fellow pastor, I hope you get as much out of this episode as I did. Be sure to pass it along to others on your team or even in your circle of friends. So Jim, let's jump back in. We've heard your story about how the Lord got a hold of your life and how he used your mom to pray you in. And from that, you learning the power of prayer. You then, you, you start a business, you become successful in what you're doing. I know that even as you were talking earlier about people in the marketplace and how important their role is, there's the role of people in a church praying for their pastors. That's one thing that I want to talk about. But the other thing is people in their normal day-to-day life and seeing the power of God at work. I would imagine for you in your business that prayer was a regular part of what you did, not just at church, not just for your pastor, but also for your family and for your business. Can you talk a little bit about the role as a person who was an average church member and an, and an average like businessman, business owner? What did it look like? What does prayer look like for, for someone just walking in life? I used to assume that pastors knew more about prayer than me. I mean, after all, they went to seminary. <laughs> after all, they're pastors. After all, they're uh, men of God. After all, they work in that, that building over there with those four walls with a cross on right. it. So I'm sure they know more about prayer than me. Problem is, I was going to churches, and I wasn't seeing any of it. Yeah. But I maybe they'd use a, a prayer to, transition between the song the singing and the preaching or maybe they're using a prayer to to uh close things up quick five minute check the mark thing i wasn't seeing the manifestation of the supernatural presence of god in the person of the holy spirit and i was shaking my head well what's going on here well i don't understand it i know where i'm at at five o'clock in the morning i know what i have to do i know that no let me change that. I know what I want to do. Mm. I know that I want to run to my father. I know that the first thing that God did when he accepted the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the very first thing that he did was he tore the veil of the temple from top to bottom. He said, it is finished. Now I've reconciled the world to myself. Now I've permitted people because the blood of my son that whosoever will bow and confess their sins and accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, whosoever will do that can come in to my presence. And the cherubim and the seraphim that stand in front of the throne of God will not annihilate them, cut them up in pieces, destroy them. My holiness would kill them. But now they have the privilege to come and talk to me, spend time with me, and be with me. 
I'm an evangelist. I have a gift of evangelism. And so God called me to the marketplace and used me with, with sinners and people like myself and where I needed the demonstration of God's presence. I needed him to show up. I needed God to be there when I laid my hands on a heroin addict. I needed God to be there when I went to state prisons. I needed God to be there in my business. I needed his wisdom and knowledge and understanding. I craved his presence in all that I did. Proverbs chapter 2 says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, if you make your ear attentive to wisdom and incline your heart to understanding, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for his hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord will give you wisdom. And from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Wisdom will come into your heart. Well, I learned that if you go into the presence of God, this is where you will get that. This is where you will receive the wisdom and knowledge and understanding to run your business more effectively. This is where you will receive the wisdom to be a better husband, the knowledge, the understanding, the humility, the power, the presence. You will understand that when when you spend time with God, God will put wisdom in your heart. He will go before you teaching you how to walk, how to talk, how to represent him. For in the throne room of the universe, I mean, he's only God. Why wouldn't I want God to be my partner? I mean, he only created the universe. Certainly, he can run my little rinky-dink business in comparison (laughs) to the creator of the universe. So when I understood what it was, the value, the practical value of seeking God and asking God's presence to be upon you, to have that anointing in your life, when I understood that, I run to God in the morning, and I thank God for the privilege to minister to him. I thank him for allowing me to come into the throne room. I've never seen the cherubim or seraphim, but the word tells me that they stand before the throne of God. And they cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And that nobody can walk into the throne room unless they have the blood of Christ applied to their soul. But I know that for all of us as Christians, one of the greatest sins in the universe is our devaluation of our privilege to minister and talk to God, of our devaluation of the word we call prayer. Forgive me when I say this, but what I see in many churches is pastors giving away the power of God for other stuff to get numbers. They're compromising the power of the Almighty God. Paul said, when I come to you, I'm not going to look for, listen to a word you say, because I'm not coming with persuasive words of man's wisdom. I'm coming in the power and the demonstration of the Spirit so that your faith will never rest in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. I see the church getting away from prayer, and I want to cover my head and scream, no, Jesus, don't let it happen. No, God, don't let it happen. Don't let them lean to these arms of the flesh. Please, God, intervene. I see pastors pushing the Holy Spirit out of their sermons for fear of being labeled one of those crazy born-againers. Yeah, I'm a born-againer. Yeah, I'm a man of God. Yeah, I worship God. We have lost the reverence of the Most High. 
Hebrews 5, 7 says, with loud cries and tears, Jesus prayed to his father, and because of his reverence for God, God heard his cry. We have lost the reverence, the whole, the fear of the Lord. Oh, I don't ever, I'm not afraid of my dad, but I have great fear and admiration and respect as I cry out to him. I don't run into the throne room of God. People think when they get to heaven, they're going to tell the Holy Spirit to give them a latte with certain blah, 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 blah. People think when they get to heaven, they're going to sit down at the cafe bar and say, yeah, let me have a cappuccino. What do they think heaven's going to look like? What do they think the language of heaven is? My goodness gracious, we've lost the fear and the reverence of the Most High God. When I read Job 38 and I see God's response to Job, when God, I can see God rising up saying, okay, little man, strengthen yourself because now you're going to listen to the Most High. And when you listen to God's rebuke to Job, it shakes my soul. It shakes my soul, Tim, to see services going on without allowing the spirit of the Most High God to manifest himself. Oh, yeah, here and there. But what would it look like, Tim, if a pastor got into a pulpit and, and started his sermon and 10 minutes later he stopped and said, wait a second, the Holy Spirit wants to move in a different way here today. The Holy Spirit wants us to cry out to him for our loved ones, those lost in sin. The Holy Spirit is so present here today. He wants to heal those that are sick. He wants to break the bondage of all those that are addicted with alcohol or drugs or, or you're, you're infested with pornography or there's some sin in your life that you haven't been able to get a hold of. There's some demonic force against you that Satan is keeping you back from walking deeper with Jesus Christ. What would that service look like? I'll tell you what it would look like. People would run to the altar. I was in a state prison once, Tim, and I was walking to the pulpit, and the Holy Spirit said, Jim, put your notes down. Now, I've been walking with God a long, you know, I've been walking with God for 52 years now, but I was walking with God for probably 40, 40 years, 45 years then. So God had done that before to me, so I said, yes, Lord. I didn't know what was coming next but I knew it wasn't going to be what I had planned. He said, put your notes away, start praying. I walked up to the pulpit and the chaplain there with the prison was a good friend of mine. And I just started praying. The Lord led me to pray. Gentlemen, what you did isn't who you are. Gentlemen, you're here today to pay the price for what you did. But gentlemen, that's not who you are. You are a soul that was created by the most high God. You are a soul that the Most High God created and gave His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for. Today is the day where you don't have to go back to that cell with condemnation, guilt, and the weight of your sin. Today is the day you can lay it down once and for all. You can get washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. The Spirit of God will invade your soul. He will set you free completely and forever if you want it, come forward. Tim, I... <laughs> <laughs> it was as if I said, the first one here gets a free out-of-jail card. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll tell you, Tim, these guys ran to the front of the room, and they got on their knees and, and, and stood up and cried out to God. And, and the, the chaplain looked at me, and I looked at him and said, Oh, God, thank you, Jesus. And I got down off the pulpit, and 
you know, I had, I don't know, 50, 75 guys surrounding me. And, and I looked at each one of them in the eye and I said, sir, please look at me. Hmm. I looked him in the eye and said, Jesus loves you just the way you are. Sir, Jesus came today just for you. And I went around the room, Tim, and said that to every one of those guys. <laughs> and God, the Holy Spirit fell. Why? Because I knew that I couldn't come with persuasive words of man's wisdom. I needed to come in the power and the demonstration of the Spirit so that their faith wouldn't rest in any man, but in the power and the demonstration of the Spirit of Almighty God. And Tim, for anybody, any pastor, any man, woman, or child that wants a deep walk with the Most High God, that wants to be different, that wants to have a beat in their chest that cannot be put out, God is waiting for them, Tim, and he's waiting for them in the throne room. Yeah, we call it prayer, Tim, but prayer is so misunderstood. It's a privilege, the privilege of going to minister to our dad, the privilege that the Most High God, the creator of the universe, the Holy One of Israel, it's a privilege that we would walk in and humble ourselves before him and call out to him and worship him and magnify him and praise him. Yeah, we're going to ask him for stuff, but let's seek his face before we seek his hand. Amen. And for those of us who are listening, who maybe maybe today your next step is not going into a prison to speak an evangelistic message like Jim has the opportunity to do, but you probably do have the opportunity to go into your office or to go into uh, your family room. And most of the work that we do starts in those places. Yes. Jim has been brought into various places in his life, but it's all started with prayers over simple places, yes. prayers over his family, prayers over his marriage, prayers over his business. And as you pray in those places, who knows where the Lord takes you? And I remember Jim coming to meet you in your office at one point, and uh, we got down and prayed right there in your office. And uh, I asked you, how often do you pray in this office? You're like, this that's what this office is for. And, you know, and, and, and so here at your business, you know, this is the prayer room. My, my own father, you know, uh, in, in business just talked about how he said, I, I, it took a while for me to get here, but I started to realize over time that if I pray before I make any decisions at work, I'm just going to be way more efficient at my job um, and way more effective at my job when I invite God to lead me. He's not just the God over the church or over religion. He's the God over the universe. And, and uh, he understands engineering much more than I do. And he understands business much more than I do. So yeah, you think so? Yeah. He's only God. Yeah. So <laughs> why not invite him to teach me how to parent? He parents. Why not invite him to teach me how to, how to best teach yeah. these kids at school? So for all of us, there's this invitation that wherever you are right now, whatever you're doing today, the Lord's inviting you to invite him to help you. Yes. And, yes. and that is not just for your own sake. He wants to help you for your sake because you're his child and he loves you, but he also created you not just for you. He created you for the people around you. Yes. And he wants to fill you with his spirit. And he wants you to be a priest who comes to him and says, this person needs you. And he wants to be invited by you into that situation in a way that can be a blessing to those people around you. And 
And who knows where that might take you? Like, Jim, it might take you to a place where you're in a prison or winning people to Christ. It might take you to places, you know, I, I never had an inkling in my life that I would be a pastor, let alone one who's providing leadership to a whole bunch of pastors. Hey, all we do is pray and seek the Lord. And it doesn't really matter where he takes us because regardless of where we go, it's the same thing. It's we want to be in the presence of God, ministering to Jesus, making a tabernacle, a temple, a place of prayer, wherever we are, where God can minister to the people around us. And whether that's our children, our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers, those who work for us or those we work for, our government, whatever it is, God has called you to be a person who he can use to touch those around you. And any time and every time we get into that frame of mind and into that mode, we will start to feel the deepest sense of purpose in our life because we will come into alignment with how God has created us to work. Now, I know that there's one specific thing, Jim, that you've talked about from the beginning of this uh, to the end that's always been a part of your prayer life and big on your heart. And while there's there's you've seen powerless churches at times and you've seen prayerless ministries at times, it has been on your heart to pray for pastors, both your ministry that you lead and also you're on the board with 6-4 and strategic renewal. And uh, in all of that, you have a heart for praying for pastors. So in our concluding remarks, I would love for you to just speak to pastors and for those who have pastors in their life who are a part of a church, what do you want them to hear in terms of prayer? for the pastors? Well, pastors, first of all, I love you with all of my heart. And please don't receive any of this as condemnation or oh, there's another, another area I'm missing at it. Another, another area that I'm not being effective at. Another thing I'm not being a man of God. No, pastor. My pastor walked out of a pulpit on a Sunday morning, 15 minutes into his message. And two men had to follow him around the parking lot because he was just burnt out, just had an emotional breakdown. That afternoon, I called three other guys that I could trust, and we started a prayer meeting every morning from 6 to 7 in the morning for one year. Every day, every day for one year, three of us, four of us called out to God for our pastor. We covered him in prayer. We held the shield of faith over him and his wife and children and the staff, and all that we knew that Satan wanted to separate him from God. Separate one, Satan only wants one thing from us, and that is to separate us from God. And John tells us that he that loves me and obeys me, he it is that my Father will love, and we will come and make our home with him. Pastor, I know that you know Almighty God. I know that you love Jesus. I know that you love the Holy Spirit. But God has a place for you that I know that you know all about but perhaps you haven't visited as much as you want to. It's called the secret place, and I know you know all about it. But it's in that secret place that you will fulfill your destiny before Almighty God. Don't try to do it on your own anymore. God never asked you to. God just simply wants you to make him your partner in every aspect of the ministry. After praying for a year, my pastor was totally restored. Now he's back in the pulpit. He's been, he never got out of the pulpit. I mean, he took a break. But God restored him. The church is on fire growing. It's a beautiful thing. 
all because he had people interceding for him and the most high Jesus Christ, our great high priest, constantly intercedes for us. Pastor, it's there in the throne room that you'll become the husband, the man, the leader. It's there in the throne room that Almighty God will minister to you in body, mind, and spirit. It's there in the throne room that you can go deeper with your Father in heaven. You'll learn how to minister to him. He wants to teach you. The Bible tells us when we don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit will teach us how to pray. The Holy Spirit will teach you how to minister to God and to Jesus and to the Holy Spirit. In the throne room, in the secret place, God has a place just for you to revive you, to strengthen you, to minister to you, to bless you, to manifest himself to you. And it's in that secret place. Just go with full anticipation that your dad is waiting for you. That not only applies to pastors, but everybody under the sound of my voice. God is waiting for his people to return to him. I know that all of you can finish this quote the moment I'm going to start it. That if my people who are called by my name would build big buildings and raise lots of money and get PhDs, they can do it all on their own. And me and Jesus and the Holy Spirit can sit back and relax. I don't think it says it that way. If my people, my people, the people that I created, the people that I live inside of, if my people would come away with me and seek my face, if my people would make me their partner, if my people would honor me and reverence me, I would hear their cries like I did Jesus. With loud cries and tears, Jesus prayed to his Father, and because of his reverence for God, God heard his cry. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways. I would hear them, heal them, and answer their prayer. God is waiting for his children, his children, to return to him, to speak with him. And all manner of reverence, don't go into the throne room asking God for a cup of coffee. Don't go into the throne room with casualness. Don't go into the throne room with, with any sense that you're on the same level of God. Go in the throne room with humility. My people would humble themselves, acknowledge me, reverence me, worship me, exalt me. I will do great and mighty things for them. That's what I'd like to say, Tim. Jim, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, for you pastors out there, I'm sure that's an incredible encouragement to you. And for those of you who are serving in the church and who are part of the church, I think it's very self-evident that a way you can support your pastor is to come alongside and pray exactly for that, that there will be a protected, beautiful, secret place for the pastor to connect with the Lord as he leads the congregation. We appreciate you all and hope that you have an awesome week and we'll catch you next time.
like a part.